Hello and welcome to episode 284 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan and we are here to reset our thinking with a look at our rest of season top 150. Joining me for these pods each week are the two young men you know and love. It is Mike Leone of the Establish the Edge pod of analytics directing fame of Thunderdome winning fame former McNutt landscaping employee and it is our projections lead slaving away at decimals all day and night to ensure we can crush dfs and props and nba and nfl it is mark dankenbring leone good morning good morning excited to be here good i was afraid you were going to win the thunderdome and quit on us but you are back <laughs> mark good morning good morning uh life is good out here in Denver, uh, fiance Maggie came out on Saturday, officially moved out here. So that's been going well. Got to see Jokic lower the shoulder against Markeith Morris uh, Monday night at Ball Arena. So excited to follow that drama. Uh, but yeah, everything's going well. Wow. Congrats on the sex, number one. And number two, <laughs> I was also at that game. Obviously, it wasn't uh, paying attention to the game. And I turn around and it's just a total melee or melee or however you pronounce it at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at center court. So yeah, it's a good game. Okay. On today's show, we're going to talk player outlooks for the rest of the season. In other words, if we were drafting today, what would our rankings look like? If you're an in-season subscriber, you have access to our weekly rest of season top 150, which comes out each Wednesday. I think it's good for best ball, for season-long trades, etc. Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone, if you have been on the fence about trying out Establish the Run, we have reduced the price to reflect mid-season. It is now $149.99 for everything we do on the NFL side from now through the Super Bowl. Props. Discord, premium shows, projections, ownership, content, everything. Check it out. All right. We are nine weeks in now. I think we're seeing some guys who are kind of setting up to be quote-unquote league winners. And I know that term gets thrown around a ton, but quote-unquote league winners down the stretch. We had a big move in our dynasty rankings also this week, which we're not here to talk about today. But just for the record, Jonathan Taylor has moved up to number one in our Dynasty ranks among running backs. Obviously, the first seven or eight spots in Dynasty belong to wider receivers, but number one running back now is Jonathan Taylor. And as we open up the rest of season top 150 here, we see that Jonathan Taylor is the number three running back overhaul ahead of Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott. Mark, the move on Jonathan Taylor, I mean, my God, Marlon Mack's inactive. You know, we know Naheem Hines is in the mix. I, I don't think a lot of running backs matter. Uh, but man, Jonathan Taylor, like just it's impossible not to watch him and Nick Chubb and, and guys like Derrick Henry and be so impressed that they actually might matter. So what do you think about Jonathan Taylor? He has a really soft matchup coming up home against the Jaguars on Sunday. Yeah, he's been so explosive and, um, you know, he's got eight touchdowns in his last six games. So while, while you might think that is a little unsustainable, he's getting so many attempts, uh, you know, in the money areas, which we're looking for. He has 44 rush attempts in the red zone which is 12 more than the next closest Derrick Henry, who obviously didn't play last week uh, at 32. And he has 15 attempts inside the five yard line, which is obviously where touchdowns come from the most for running backs. The next closest is Damian Harris with 10. So we can expect the touchdown production, you know, to stay afloat in Indianapolis. They don't have too many other weapons to go to on offense. It's pretty much him and Michael Pittman, uh, Naheem Hines mixing in a little bit as well, but they're just, you know, a little bereft of talent outside of JT. So I, I would imagine they continue to feature him. As you mentioned, he has a matchup coming up against Jacksonville. He also has Houston in the next couple of weeks. 
uh, coming up. They do have a buy left on their schedule, which is kind of the only, you know, like a uh, claim you can, you can put against JT at this point. Uh, but he's just so explosive. Their offensive line is the 11th ranked O-line, according to Brandon Thorne. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, it's all systems go for Jonathan Taylor. We, we've seen his pass game role expand as well. He's now run more routes than Naheem Hines in four straight mm-hmm. weeks, which we love to see. So I uh, just can't really poke too many holes in JT other than that he has a bye coming up. Yeah, I mean, JT closed the season really strong last year as well. Leone, I wanted to bring up the Christian McCaffrey thing quickly just so that we could address it. Christian McCaffrey was not number one last week. We see him get back in maybe a little bit earlier than I expected. I thought maybe he'd sit out one more week. He gets back in. He only plays 29 snaps. He gets 19 touches on 29 snaps. We've moved Christian McCaffrey back to number one overall. Cooper Cup is now number two. Even with what's going on, I mean, Sam Darnold's out now. They're going to have P.J. Walker. Team looks like a mess, but Christian McCaffrey's role is so outrageous. So I agree here, Christian McCaffrey, number one. But I do think it's close down to Cooper Cup at number two. What do you think about the very top there, Leone? Yeah, I just think, you know, the edge you're getting at the running back position, we already, you know, throughout the year, you know, we've seen Derrick Henry fall, you know, Saquon Barkley dealing with injury. It's a war of attrition at running back. So to have that edge with the touches you mentioned that he's going to get it's just massive and and from doing the projections too like just you know getting real micro with it you see him just out project every other player at his position by so much because you don't have guys getting 25 percent target shares at the running back position so uh, he all you know he doesn't even really have to be efficient to get there which is crazy you're pretty much free rolling the efficiency with McCaffrey I wanted to bring up at the top uh, Alvin Kamara at the top of the running back stuff, Alvin Kamara, because, you know, uh, it's kind of become a fulfilled prophecy that even though it took a while to get there, that Alvin Kamara's role is threatened by not only Taysom Hill, who may be starting soon. We don't know. They haven't announced their starter yet. And now he's down to like a 60% carry share and his, he's even losing, I mean, significant routes to Mark Ingram as well. And like, we know Sean Payton and the Saints like Mark Ingram. I think Mark Ingram is in the age model for sure but he can still play a little bit. So I'm worried about Alvin Kamara to some degree. We have him ninth, the RB six ahead of Zeke, Mixon, Swift, Aaron Jones. I I think it's close to all those guys. And I don't want to disparage Alvin Kamara too much as such a really, really good player. I just think things are getting worse for Alvin Kamara. Not better. If you follow what I'm saying, Mark, how do we come to ranking Alvin Kamara here at the top with all these other running backs? Yeah, that grouping's hard and, um, you know, if Kamara was out this week, as we've heard some rumors that could potentially happen, we'd, we'd drop him a few spots, I think. Um, but just, just again, with the offense in New Orleans, they don't have much talent. They don't have any receivers to go to. So Kamara still, you know, we still this week have him projected for, I think, a 19% target share, which is elite at the running back position. They have an outstanding offensive line. I, I think, I think the biggest threat is Taysom Hill and taking those goal line carries. Cause you know, we saw Alvin Kamara obviously in that, in the championship week last year, score those six touchdowns and, not that that would really happy happen again, but they have a strong defense, strong offensive line, so they should lean into him more. But yeah, it's definitely a threat with Mark Ingram and and Taysom Hill around the goal line. Uh, but I, you know, Sean Payton's a smart guy. I would expect them to continue to feature Kamara if he's healthy. Let's stay at the running back position here, Leone. With the biggest injury of the, not I don't want to say of the season, but the biggest injury at least of the last week was the Chase Edmonds going down with the high ankle sprain. We have seen high ankle sprain sideline guys for a while. Uh, you know, four weeks, six weeks. And then when they come back, you don't even know how they're going to be. James Conner just absolutely broke the slate on Sunday, just went completely nuclear. And, you know, obviously, like I had James Conner in a couple spots. 
I didn't start him. I played Chase Edmonds in DFS. I didn't play James Conner, but shout out to best ball. And I know uh, it's illegal actually to talk about your best ball teams uh, in week 10 or whatever it is. But that's the beauty of best ball is that I had a bunch of James Conner and some of these zero RB teams um, that worked out. But anyways, we're not here to talk best ball. How do you see the Arizona backfield the rest of the way, Leone? Because I think it's going to be a pretty productive backfield. It's hard to say how much they're going to get Eno in the mix. And by God, if Cliff was a sharp at all, they would let Rondale Moore do like some Chase Edmonds things. Yeah, I don't think Eno is going to play a ton. You know, obviously we don't know. We're guessing to an extent, but with uh, with Edmonds going out, Eno played twenty four percent of the snaps, but he didn't get a single target on those snaps, which I think is a really important note. He didn't get a target, and Connor had eighteen and a half percent of the team's targets. Yeah. So uh, to be clear, Eno played like all the garbage time, and. And Connor yeah. getting those targets is just massive because we already know he's got huge touchdown upside. I believe he leads the league in touchdowns right now, which is wild. And you start to see the value when you're drafting committee backs that are discounted quite a bit because you get that base role in Arizona is the perfect spot where you've got one guy who's got value because of rushing touchdowns and Connor, one guy who's got value because of pass catching and chase Edmonds. And then if either one of them goes down, it's an absolute smash. And that's what we're seeing with James Conner, who we've moved you know, really aggressively up our ranks. I mean, RB16 is really high, but if he's going to get targets in addition to already an elite goal line role, Mark was pointing out to us too that the schedule for Arizona is pretty soft the rest of the way. So a lot of, lot of upside. And I know he's been scoring a lot of these kind of, I don't want to call them cheap, but like these cheap short touchdowns. Mm -hmm. He took that screen pass to the house, man. He looked pretty good. Not that I'm a, a watch the tape type guy, but... You know, Connor looked like he had a little bit more juice and I think we probably give him credit for entering the year. Yeah, uh, glad to see you getting your hand in the dirt there, Leone. Team watched <laughs> the tape. Uh, yeah, we have James Connor 48th overall. Other running backs in that range, we have him just ahead of Leonard Fournette. Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, just behind CPAT, James Robinson, Nick Chubb. I think one concern for me on Nick James on James Connor going forward is like, he's been nicked up a lot in his career, man. And, and you know, he's had a lot of nagging injuries i don't know if that's going to play into how arizona thinks about their backfield but like because chase Simmons, they weren't prepared for it you know chase Simmons goes down on the third play of the game they're like oh no so i don't think it's necessarily a lock that Eno is not going to play earlier in games but yeah i, I do think that obviously james connor is a really strong plan and, and i like where we have him you should be picking up you know benjamin to that yes. point too yes um okay this chargers situation god i, I should have won the freaking juke on on Sunday, and I sound like such a GPP bro, but man, I had it. But I played Mike Williams over Keenan, and I played Goddard over Devontae Smith. This Mike Williams Keenan thing is killing me because in, in tournaments, I'm trying to play the guy who makes big plays, who speeds up the game, who turns it back and gives it to the other team as part of stacks. But Mike Williams hasn't really had a big role on this team in a while, or at least has not been productive in a while. And you could say maybe it's because of the knee issue, whatever. Maybe it's because defenses are like, I'd rather give up a five yard completion to Keenan Allen than give up these bombs. To Mike Williams constantly. So, what do you think about the Chargers receivers now, Mark? I actually flip flopped them in the top 150 a couple times last night doing it. I, I couldn't decide who I would take ahead at this point because uh, we we moved Mike Williams up pretty aggressively after his start, and it just hasn't been there the last few weeks, as you mentioned. Graham Barfield had a tweet which I thought was interesting. I uh, said Mike Williams was added to the injury report with a knee injury in Week Six. Uh, before the injury, he had 10 targets a game, six catches, 94 yards was the fantasy wide receiver three after, you know, being on the injury report, he's at five targets per game. So cut in half, two catches for 35 yards, wide receiver 88. So obviously brutal production since then. Um, it's, it's obviously really difficult 
to tell how much a player is being impacted by injury. But that is a pretty clear delineation of, uh, you know, Mike Williams being added to the injury report there. And we've kind of seen this with like Tyler Lockett over the past couple of years where they get banged up and we're not sure if they're hundred percent or not, but um, you know, digressing a little bit, I I think Mike Williams just, you know, just the profiles are so different. He's, he's so much more of a boom bust player, whereas Keenan Allen is, is a lot safer. And and we all know that, but um, you know, big Mike's still 10th with 15 targets of 20 plus yards down the field. They have a good schedule. Uh, their, their playoff schedule is awesome. They get Kansas City, Houston, and Denver. So I think if you're you know, a winning team, you're destined for the playoffs, I would, I would try and get Mike Williams. And hopefully you know, he gets healthier over the next few weeks and you have him for those three elite games in the playoffs. Uh, Keenan Allen and PPR, I would take him ahead. But I, I still think in half PPR where we're looking for you know, more, more yards and touchdowns, I would slightly favor Mike Williams. But would also love to hear you guys' opinions on, on who you would take ahead right now. Yeah, it's really tough. And for me, it's hard for me to say it's the injury. He had a bye and he and he's yeah. hasn't been on the injury report since the bye. So it's hard for me to give that as the excuse. I just think when your ADOT is so large, like his role was short targets. And I don't know, it seems like his ADOT has gone back up. I don't know if you have any takes on that, Leone. Yeah, I'm concerned that you know, the reason we moved him up so much was the combination of his deep playability and then getting more of these underneath targets. And like if you look at his catch rate by game, his ADOT, his yards per reception like like the it's back to basically where it was for his career you know he's a 15 yards per catch guy you know with the catch rate kind of coming back down and you know before it was the big play guy combined with like you know a third of keenan allen which is like a huge role now it kind of just seems like it's the regular mike williams role so i think in full ppr i think i'd go keenan it's tough because the upside when they both hit their upside cases mike williams is better than keenan's but you know, there's also a lot more range of outcomes down there. We're like the 75th percentile outcome right now. I think, you know, favors Keenan Allen. If he can get to a high 20% target share, even, you know, he's been over 30 the last two weeks in an offense that's going to throw a lot. That's going to be really valuable, even if it aren't huge chunk plays. Uh, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on this Lockett and Metcalf stuff. Obviously they get big bumps with Russ coming back and Russ coming back sooner than expected. You know, we were kind of middling it and leaving DK Metcalf pretty high in the rest of the season, top 150, because we thought Metcalf could make plays with Geno and Russ was coming back. We see Lockett have a huge game with Geno also, and now Russ is back too. So, yeah, I don't think there's a lot to say on Seattle. I don't know if you have anything on those guys, uh, Mark. I just want to note how soft their schedule is down the stretch. I think San Francisco probably has the easiest fantasy schedule remaining, but Seattle's looks really good as well. Uh, they get Green Bay this week. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers comes back and turns that into a shootout. Arizona, Washington, San Francisco, Houston, the Rams, uh, Chicago, and Detroit to close the fantasy season. So, you know, the, the Seahawks are three and five. They're going to need wins. Hopefully that, that means they'll, they'll air it out a little bit more. You can never trust Pete Carroll and that offense, but hopefully it, it turns out that way. Um, so again, those are guys that I would be trying to trade for right now uh, and just hope that your league mates are undervaluing them. Speaking of undervaluing, you know, I, I thought, I, you know, the, the whole thing with fake Hollywood was, was never that he was a bad player. Was it, it was really that in this stream run heavy offense, when you're seeing such limited opportunity and you're 170 pounds or whatever Marquise Brown is, it's hard to really be consistently good. Mar- Marquise Brown, and maybe you could say it's partly due to Baltimore changing their offense to a pass centric offense. Marquise Brown has been awesome. And like, I mean, Will Fuller's obviously been hurt, so that hasn't been good. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> how can we now look at, Marquise Brown, 
going forward because target competition is getting stiffer. I mean, if Sammy gets back, which he could be back as soon as tomorrow night, uh, Bateman is playing really well and earning a really high targets per route run is Bateman. And obviously they have Mark Andrews still. So how are you thinking about Leone? How are you thinking about uh, the Ravens pass game and specifically uh, the artist formerly known as fake Hollywood? Yeah, fake Hollywood, now real Hollywood Brown. His last 16 games, the splits are tremendous. I think he's like over 1,200 yards, and so it's a full season now uh, of worth of games that he's been phenomenal, and we've moved him up to wide receiver 12. I think it's tough for me where like you know, most players you'd bet the under than the over on just because there's always more routes to failure than not, but I think that's probably about as aggressive as we can get on him. I might be looking to trade high on him just because – uh, like, like we're coming off a game too, where, you know, Rashad Bateman outperformed him in, in regulation and then Hollywood gets there in overtime, which of course counts. Like, and those are very important plays and they're going to their most important players, but you do start to see where I think he's kind of at his peak, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think his peak is really good and you can hold on to him as a huge profit from where you got him. I think you could ride it out for sure, but I do think you were probably at the peak for Hollywood Brown right now. Yeah, we have Hollywood right now, 26th overall wide receiver, 12. I certainly think I would take him above Mike Williams. I think I'd probably I'd go CD. Yeah, I'd probably go CD over over Hollywood, but, you know, even, certainly. Even with Gallup coming back in there, I mean, the, yeah. we, we, we always talk about the target co- competition I there, know. and that's, I don't know, it's it's hard sure. to feel super confident. Sure, no, agreed. And, 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 yeah, Gallup coming back is certainly a factor as well. And, yeah, Dallas just, you know. But, like, I, there's still, I mean, there's still three – Got, I, I guess you've got Schultz there, so there's kind of more like four guys for Dallas versus three for Baltimore. And, but, and the running backs there, too. I mean, there's no running backs yeah. commanding targets in Baltimore. I don't know. I, I think the, the, it is hard to remove priors from Baltimore. They're just throwing so much more than they have. I mean, yeah. Lamar's on pace for like 550 pass attempts, and his highest was you know 400. Um, so it's just we just haven't seen anything like this from Baltimore. Yoni played Brandon Ayuk in the Thunderdome with great glory it resulted in, you know, we've seen the usage ticking up for Brandon. I, you can not always the result he comes through with the result and really played a great game. And they had him returning punts, I believe. And they had, were like targeting him a ton, made some grown ass man catches did Brandon. Ayuk. what do you think about this San Francisco situation going forward? Cause Debo was banged up. Allegedly Kittle was banged up. Allegedly Eli Mitchell was banged up. Allegedly, even though they all played pretty, I think normal, roles but with all those guys banged up Ayuk goes off I don't know we have Debo 21st overall Ayuk 71st overall I'd also say Leone some of the like the underlying metrics on Debo seem unsustainable to me like you can't have like you can't have such a big target share and like also have I I don't know like everything is is, like outlier on Debo Samuel which which kind of scares me a little bit so I don't know what do you think about the San Francisco stuff yeah I mean with Debo our model each week wants me to give him like 10, 11 yards per catch because of where his ADOT is. And his baseline, if you just look at like regressed historicals, like 14 yards per catch. So like, it, like it's utterly insane and it's difficult to tell, you know, where to put that at. But if you look at it, he's at 18 yards per catch this year. You know, I, I do think that's unsustainable. And I also think his target share is probably peaked. You know, we've got Kittle back and healthy. We've got Ayuk emerging a little bit where, Man, I love Debo. I was huge on him coming into the year, but you know, another guy like Hollywood, where I think it's fine to stick with him and take your profit, but I do think like there's more chance than not that we're dropping him moving forward than than moving him up here at, at wide receiver nine. And then Ayuk was the guy we said last week, you know, to get on your teams if you 
we're going to make the playoffs and you want more upside long term. We've seen him come out, run routes, and then the next week not. So it's always a risk. But now we've had two weeks in a row of it. As I was sweating him in the dome, I was absolutely horrified when he made a, a great catch, but then got up and fumbled. And knowing Shanahan, I was like, oh, God, this this is it. But they stuck with him. I think that was a really positive sign. Um, the one concern with all the pass catchers there is, you know, if they lose to the Rams this week, they go to three and five. If they bring in Trey Lance, you know, what does that do to the pass volume of three guys? And I'm not sure. I think there's a chance the offense is great with Lance, but we've seen him a little shaky passing the football in the appearances he has made where like I could see him hitting a lot of big plays to these guys, but I think the overall reception volume would you know, be pretty much a lock to come down for the trio combined. Mark did note here, San Francisco's playoff schedule, Atlanta, so Tennessee, good. Houston. I mean, you couldn't draw it up much better. Two games in the dome and these defenses, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. That's who San Francisco plays in the fantasy playoffs. So, you know, I think that needs to be factored in as well. And we do factor that in to our rest of season top 150. A couple other big movers here, Mark. The David Montgomery thing. I was a little surprised that they just threw David Montgomery right back into the mix. I mean, forget Khalil Herbert. You know, Damian Williams was out, but whatever. They were just like, screw it. We're going right back to David Montgomery as our feature back. Seems like they're not as impressed with Khalil Herbert as everybody else is. What do you think about the Chicago backfield? going forward yeah i mean i was a little surprised as well herbert had been playing so well and um but Monk, the peripherals for montgomery were really good he handled 13 of the 17 running back carries got a couple targets um you know justin fields is playing better so systemically the offense lo lo looks a little more promising moving forward they are going into buy this week so again this is another player i think is interesting if you're a team that's destined for the playoffs and you need some running back help i would be interested in trading for david montgomery it seems like the role will be there um, you know, we've seen dual threat quarterbacks like Justin Fields boost, um, you know, running back production and efficiency. So we could see more from more uh, production from David Montgomery. And, you know, we have him, I think, at like RB 18 right now, um, RB 20. So, you know, and that, that could move up just depending on on the role, if, if it's as sound uh, the rest of the season. Uh, one take I had in week nine that proved to be profitable was, you know, Jarvis Landry wasn't going to beat me. I knew Jarvis Landry was going to be was going to be popular, but like he never beats me. Right. If I go for a fade on Jarvis Landry, I'm never looking back and like, oh, Jarvis Landry gave me a 40 ball. Like it's impossible for Jarvis Landry to give me a 40 ball. Right. And so I think we can try to capture that somewhat in our ceiling projections. But I'm curious, Leonie, if you follow what I'm saying on Landry, he needs so much volume at his a dot and his role to really break a game open. But this team is so run heavy that like, what are the chances that Baker throws it 40, 45 times in a game and Jarvis actually gets 12, 13, 14 carries. And I understand with Odell gone that it makes a difference. I'm not, Odell's role wasn't that great anyway. So I guess like, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry is someone that I, was like a guy that people are like a perfect example. Oh, if you're a sharp cash player, you play Jarvis Landry. Like three years ago, I was like, no, like screw that. I'm going for ceiling in cash. I'm not playing Jarvis Landry. I'm going to try to break slates with guys and Jarvis Landry is never going to break it. So I know I said a lot there. Uh, any takes on that take Leone and should we be factoring in, I guess, ceiling somewhat into our rest of season top 150? Yeah. I mean, I think he's the archetype of a player that's not going to absolutely kill you. The difference between like DFS and season long is this can be your flex play, right? This could be your fourth wide receiver that's in your lineup. And if you're racking up double digit points per week, which you potentially can with Landry rest of the year, especially if we see 
Cleveland maybe tilt a little past heavier towards the end of the season. They did it last season. You know, we saw some signs, you know, especially in this game against Cincinnati where they came out throwing you know, somewhat heavily in the second half, even with a big lead. Uh, so I think Landry's like really solid player. I think he's going to be pretty valuable in seasonal fantasy and full PPR leagues. But that archetype of player that you mentioned, the low ADOT guy who is going to need like eight plus catches to beat you in DFS is always a good fade at ownership. Um, we have Odell Beckham listed here 78th overall. Uh, his team says Cleveland obviously ignored that, but he is going to sign with someone reportedly down to like, I don't know, Green Bay or or Kansas City or something like that. I'm not sure how much Odell has left, but change of scenery can't hurt. Hard for me to say where I'd take Odell until we know what team he's on. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But I think right now having him 78th, certainly above Jarvis, at least there's a ceiling there. Like if he lands in Kansas City and plays well, I mean, there's obviously a ceiling there that Jarvis, I think, doesn't have. I don't know. Any idea, Mark, where you think Odell's going to land? No idea. No. I mean, uh, I think the Chiefs would be the best fantasy landing, as you mentioned. And it's, I think, between their Green Bay and the Saints, as what was reported today, as the final three. Uh, Green Bay would obviously be exciting. The Saints, I, I don't really know. I, I wouldn't love that. Uh, the other two would definitely be better, and, and the Chiefs would be the top spot. Um, I, I, you know, I have OBJ in a couple leagues, and I'm just kind of holding on and hoping that the ceiling's there. If, you know, if someone's, I, I doubt someone would give you a, a super fair offer at this point. So I think he's just kind of a hold. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is the Jaguars really quickly. Jaguars do face Houston and the Jets in the fantasy playoffs. And I guess you can speak for your boys, uh, Karain and Overzet. How is LaVisca Chenault getting out targeted by Jamal Agnew, Leone? I mean, this is this is an all-time humiliation for LaVisca Chenault. And I, I like LaVisca Chenault coming into the year also. I mean, he got a pretty pure run out with it, all the injuries that Jacksonville had to kind of players who play in the same area of the field that he plays in. And he's still losing targets to like Jamal Agnew and Dan Arnold. So I don't know, man, do you have any defense on, on Chenault here? And, and again, we don't have Agnew in the top 150, but my God, Agnew's getting, I have more confidence that Agnew's going to get targets going forward than, than Chenault. Yeah. I think it's a case where you, you got to think about all the things you need to go right for a player. And then cost matters at a certain point. I think sometimes when we get, to players that we just really like for whatever reason, sometimes we can throw cost out the window. And I think, you know, he was a pretty good bet when he was going in like eighth, ninth round. When he started creep up sixth, seventh, that was probably too much because not only because we didn't know for sure what would happen. Like, like obviously there was an outcome where he just couldn't earn the necessary target share. He looks like, you know, he's a pretty good player when he gets the ball in his hands. He's made some good highlight plays, but he's not earning the targets when there's opportunity to do so. And that's a big knock on him. So we still have him in above Agnew just because we think there is still that upside there that Agnew doesn't have. But if you were talking just straight, you know, one V one fantasy points rest of the season, you'd probably side with Agnew. You know, we're still holding on to some of that preseason upside with Chenault, but he might be a little bit higher than he should be right yeah. now. I mean, to be clear, I don't really want Chenault or Agnew on my team. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not like caping right. for Jamal Agnew here. That's not what I was trying to say. All right. We've said it all on the rest of season top 150. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for checking it out. If you are listening on iTunes or any other platform, please hit subscribe. It is indeed free and helps us out a ton. Same with YouTube. Corporate would say smash the like button if corporate was here. But of course, they are not. Four. Mark. Four. Leone, I am Adam. 
Good luck, everybody.